hey, this is Hannah Rosen from Invisibilia. We are going to bring you our regular season, as always. We're working hard on it. But in the meantime, we are trying something new. We're going to drop these occasional bonuses in the feed, either stories we're working on or stories that we've come across that we love. And our first one is the story that we heard at a live storytelling event. It's a pop-up magazine event, and it's by writer Cord Jefferson. Here's Cord. If the headlines of the past few years are to be believed, millennials, those of us born roughly between 1982 and 2004, will go down as the most murderous generation in American history. Google the words millennials and killed, and you'll find dozens of articles listing our victims, including J. Crew, The Focus Group, Travel Marketing, Memorial Day, Hangout Sitcoms, Leisure, the music industry, the golf industry, the napkin industry, department stores, the nine to five workday, suits, wine corks, and the concept of the corner office. I don't have much of an opinion on travel marketing, which means that if I helped kill it, it was more a case of negligent homicide than outright murder. But there is a dying institution I was once more than glad to help usher out. Voicemail. You know voicemail. It's a technology so out of date that its icon is still an answering machine cassette tape. Patented in 1983, the service was once a must-have for businesses, allowing employees on the go to access their messages from anywhere in the world. It wasn't long before voicemail was in people's homes, too. I can remember the day my dad set up a personal inbox for everyone in my family, at last ending the humiliation of them asking, so, who was that? Anytime they intercepted a message from a girl. But enthusiasm for voicemail has waned over the years. Some major corporations, like Coca-Cola, don't even bother to use it anymore. And the number of voicemails individuals leave has dropped steadily with the advent of emails and text messages. We've come to hate voicemails so much that there are now apps designed just to block our phones from receiving them. I imagine many of you would be irritated to finish this podcast and discover a voicemail waiting for you. A tiny, unwanted surprise. I hated voicemail as soon as I got my first cell phone. My parents and older relatives would leave me long, rambling messages when I went away to college. I never told them to stop, of course, because old people leaving messages are like cats bringing home dead animals. It's unpleasant, but it's in their nature. The worst offender was my mother. She liked to talk on the phone a lot. To friends, her sister, colleagues, her grandchildren, and me. Hey, babe. It's Mom. Um... Uh... I love my mother very much, but on the phone she had a tendency to hector me about things like my sleep habits or my inability to book holiday travel in a timely manner. The reason why I hadn't looked any farther on Airbnb was a couple reasons. Number one was you said you were going to contact your roommate or your landlord first and uh, see if she was going to be home during that time or not. So I didn't do anything. Nowadays, I know she was just expressing love. But at that point in my life, most love felt like smothering. And so I tried to have the majority of our conversations with text. When she would leave a voicemail, I would speed through it, fast-forwarding past the greeting, grumbling when the message didn't yield any pertinent information. Because you'd have a better idea of those that were sort of in your, closer to your area. And I didn't want to get a place And then, four years ago, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer 
After chemotherapy and a double mastectomy, she was healthy for a few months. But then the cancer came back, and by January of 2016, she was in hospice care. During the day, I would sit at her bedside and read to her, brush her teeth, hold her hand. At night, I would meet up with family and friends and try to figure out what I would do when she was gone. It was over tamales at my favorite Mexican restaurant back home that a friend of mine, Chris, posed a question. Do you have any recordings of her voice? Several years prior, Chris's father had committed suicide. He'd saved a voicemail from his dad after he died, but when his phone broke a couple years later, he lost it forever. He told me that he would listen to it all the time, that he'd rather have that than any of the other stupid shit his dad had left behind. Chris got me thinking that night about the power of the human voice and what we lose when a voice goes away. And it turns out that a small group of scientists has begun chipping away at this question. A few years ago, Leslie Seltzer, a researcher at the University of Wisconsin, wanted to study the hormone oxytocin, sometimes called the love hormone. It's released when we have orgasms, or when women breastfeed, or when we hug someone we care about. In the study, a group of girls were asked to take a stressful test. Once the girls were sufficiently rattled, some called their mothers for comfort, while the others instant messaged them. What Seltzer found was that, for the girls who spoke to their moms on the phone, their stress hormones decreased, while their oxytocin levels increased. But the girls who simply messaged their moms had no change in stress or oxytocin levels at all. It wasn't just the soothing words they wanted, it was the soothing voice. In a variation on the same study, Seltzer had some moms hug their daughters for comfort. What she discovered is that the girls who talked to their moms on the phone and the girls who hugged them had essentially the same brain reaction. In other words, when we hear someone's voice, the physiological effect we feel is similar to what we'd experience if we actually touched them. Another researcher, Dr. Teresa Pape at Northwestern, found that coma patients who hear recordings of familiar stories told by family and friends regain consciousness faster than patients who don't. She says that loved ones' voices help create a, quote, healthier neural environment so our brains can repair themselves quicker. To be clear, I'm a man of the 21st century, and I don't expect everyone to start talking on the phone all the time. But at present, Americans spend about 26 minutes a day texting and just six minutes on voice calls. We delete people's voicemails before we even listen to them, or we read typo-ridden transcripts instead. It seems increasingly worth considering what we're missing out on when we neglect the voices of the people we love. By the time my friend Chris asked me if I had a recording of my mother's voice, she was too far gone to really speak. If I want to hear her talk now, I'm left only with a voicemail she sent me a month before the cancer came back. And I didn't want to get a place, uh, secure it, and then... You know, I, I, either I didn't need it or it was way out of the way. It's exactly a minute long, and it's the only possession I have that I really care about. In the moments when I miss her most, I play it over and over again, always trying to forgive myself for fast-forwarding it the first time I heard it. So um, give me a call when you get a chance. I'm really looking forward to you coming into town, and I'd like to talk to you for a minute about that also. Okay? Love you. Bye. That was writer Cord Jefferson. After the break, a special voicemail surprise. 
This message comes from NPR sponsor, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide prevention starts with everyday heroes like you. Register for an out-of-the-darkness walk and join a quarter of a million people walking to fight suicide in more than 400 communities this fall. Be part of the movement turning hope into action and create a culture that's smart about mental health. Proceeds benefit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Find a walk near you at outofthedarkness.org. All right, so we took Cord's message to heart that there are certain voicemails that are worth hanging on to, and we asked you listeners to send us your favorites. And here they are. Hello, Becca. I know you're probably not going to listen to this because you're so anti-voicemail. But I'm leaving you in anyway because I need to let you know that I don't know how much flour to add to this pie crust here. Hey, love. Hey, honey. Hey, call your grandmother. Hey. It's Elena. Good morning, honey. Good morning, good morning. Hi, honey. It's Mama. Mac and cheese. We should have that tonight. Oh, we just wanted to wish you a very happy birthday. But maybe you're out celebrating. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Caitlin. Happy birthday to you. I've never heard your voicemail message. It's so chipper and professional sounding. Anyway, hey, um, um, I guess you're in your sweet party. Um, I'm sorry about today. Love you. I love you lots. You're a baby. Bye bye. We're all fine. Bye. Much love. Okay. Bye. Invisibilia is hosted by me, Hannah Rosen, and Elise Spiegel. Our show is edited by Ann Gudenkoff, and our executive producer is Kara Tallow. Invisibilia is produced by Megan Kane, Yoe Shaw, and Abby Wendell. Our project manager is Leanna Simstrom. This bonus episode was produced by Jake Arlo. Fact-checking by Barkley Walsh. Our technical director is Andy Huther, and our vice president of programming is Anya Grunman. Special thanks to Jonathan Barlow for his songs Fadeless and I Remember This Place. You can find all things Invisibilia at our website, npr.org slash invisibilia. We'll be back in your feed soon with more bonuses. Bye. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, and on the latest TED Radio Hour, how to talk about death candidly. Being able to accept that someday I will decompose, there is something comforting to me about that. You can find the TED Radio Hour wherever you listen to podcasts.